Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Alrighty, here we go. Do you want to bring it in? Yeah, sure. Welcome into the Titans Film Room Podcast. Today we are doing some film review for the offense and for the defense. Um, We don't really look into the second half because Mike Rabel didn't want to look into it, so neither did we. Uh, Is Art Smith everything we wanted Matt LaFleur to be? We are passing twice as much as we're running it but maybe you should tune in and find out more. Yep, that's right. We got a pretty good review of Art Smith as a play caller so far and other interesting tidbits from the film review. Stay tuned for that. We also give our player awards from the game. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Music City Miracles. And without further ado, that's it. We will go. It's a go. It's a go. a spot throw and there's a no-look throw, too. Yeah, yeah that's so good. There's a no-look throw because the safety that's was coming. That's you get excited about, Mark. It's right there. You see I get excited? Oh, man, that's a, that's a big-time throw, man. That's, that's, you know, Hall of Fame-type throw. We will ignore the slight exaggeration there on the Hall of Fame comment and welcome you into the Film Room Podcast. James, how you doing? Doing pretty good, but I don't know if that was a no-look throw. Kind of looked like he was staring at him the whole way. It's definitely questionable. I did use that audio to support my own tweet that said it was a no-look throw. This is my confession. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it was a no-look throw. It looks like he's looking further outside than he's throwing, and he's done that plenty of times. And usually when he does that, The way he follows through where he carries his arm all the way over and around with his shoulder is a little bit funky, and he did that follow-through on that throw, which makes me think it was a no-look throw. However, the defense was in a straight man-to-man coverage across the board, and nobody had their eyes on the quarterback. They were all playing man coverage, so they had their eyes on their man. So I'm not sure what the purpose of a no-look pass there is because it's it's not fooling anyone. (laughs) I think it was the angle of that play because I saw his helmet turned like he does for the no look pass. But when they showed like the uh, from the back of the end zone where Delaney's catching it, you could see his eyes actually looking at Delaney the whole way. See, I think that his eyes are are looking outside. Like his eyes may be looking at Delaney at the time of that shot, but Corey Davis runs his route right through where Delaney ends up running his route so at the time of the screenshot Corey Davis is pretty much in the spot where Mariota is throwing the ball but he's still looking off to the side so I don't know who knows who cares it was a great throw in fact we'll talk more about that throw in a second because we're going to start off the film review podcast by giving out our game awards and for those of you that don't know what those are James why don't you tell the people so we have three awards. We have play of the game, which is pretty self-explanatory. 
We have the Atlas Award, which we give to a player that shouldered the team. In Greek mythology, Atlas was the titan that held up the world on his shoulders. So we're giving that to a certain player who put the team on his shoulders and made a play for the team when we needed it. And then we have the Zeus Award. Now, Zeus was known for fucking just about everything. And for the this award, we're giving it to the Titan that fucked something up. So the Zeus Award will be awarded to someone who maybe goofed or made a bad play or something that cost the team uh, as a whole. And those are our awards. Thank you. Great explanation. To be clear, Zeus was not a Titan, and he locked the Titans away. So fuck Zeus. Right. The Zeus Award is is basically a fuck you to a player. And also to be clear, these awards are worth absolutely nothing. Nobody gets anything. It's just our podcast awards. They're highly coveted, but worth nothing. So without further ado, let's reveal the play of the game. Play of the game. I mean, is there another choice? <laughs> Welcome back, baby. What a play. It was a well-designed play. I mean, it was basically four verts. Thank you, uh, Superhorn cleared that up. Basically a four verts play. All, all um, four receivers are just running downfield from the 11-yard line, the play is called. And you have uh, the running back, McNichols, I believe, running an underneath route from the backfield to uh, hold the... I mean, it was man coverage, like I said before. So it was just a good route by everyone. Delaney got his man across his face. Mariota hit him perfectly in stride. Great play. Play of the game. I mean, it was the first touchdown of the Tennessee Titans 2019 season for the first team offense. So it was pretty important, I thought, to see it happen. Uh, I'm excited to see Delaney back. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good year for Marcus to have a security blanket. And we're probably going to see Patrick Mahomes types numbers uh, this year. Just having Delaney back alone. I wouldn't go that far, but... <laughs> I'm going that far. 50 touchdowns it is. Yep. No. Okay. No. But it is great. I mean, it's clear that Marcus is more comfortable throwing to Delaney. And I think on the first first down of the game when Mariota hit Delaney over the middle of the field, I thought this watching it and Josh on musiccitymiracles.com who broke down every Marcus Mariota throw from this game. Go check that article out. Also noted this, that it looks like the pass is behind Delaney Walker, and it is a little bit, but the reason for that is Mariota is avoiding the linebacker. If he throws that to Delaney in stride, it's going to be batted down or even worse, could be intercepted. Now, the reason the throw is behind him is because it's actually late and it's late because there's pressure but Mariota does a good job stepping up in the pocket and then throwing to the spot anyway instead of throwing to his man because he's aware of the defense you can't just play like there's no defense so it was a good throw even though Delaney had to catch it behind him the pressure slowed down the process in the pocket but it worked out and it was a good play it's great to see Delaney out there it is all right Without further ado, we will now reveal the Atlas Award winner. Definition, put the team on my back. One's will to carry the team and not let any obstacle come in between. A desire that you must achieve. 
Tannehill against a five-man front. We'll throw it out of the backfield. McNichols wide open left flat. He's at the 10. He's at the 5. He flips into the end zone. Touchdown! Titans! Jeremy McNichols! Acrobatic! To Peter! What a flippin' play. <laughs> nice. Atlas Award winner was tough this week because it was pretty evenly spread. Honestly, good play from most players on offense, at least. And, I mean, generally on the first and second team defenses. So we decided to give it to McNichols. Why? Uh, I really liked what I saw from this game. Yeah, I really thought that Ferks holding penalty was really ticky-tack. Um, he's shown some burst, excitement, just overall energy for that third or fourth running back spot. And uh, I'm really hoping he makes the roster this year. He also did a pretty nice job in pass protection, which is an important thing that a running back will have to do to get on the field. So it was good to see him picking up picking up rushers, and he had a nice cut block on one play. And unfortunately, I don't think there will be a roster spot for him just because he's not going to... Mike Vrabel talked about this in the press conference the other day about how somebody asked, is McNichols' role on special teams what Fluellen's role would have been if Fluellen wasn't hurt? And Mike Vrabel went into a pretty long discussion about all the different roles that Fluellen has for their special teams on all the different units and how McNichols kind of just plays one role on one unit. So that information tells me that he's not going to make the roster because the fourth running back has got to play has got to be a special team's ace. That's how David Fluellen has managed to stay on as a third running back all these years. So I don't think the Titans will end up with four running backs based on that information from Vrabel's press conference. I feel like he feels kind of like a similar role to Deion Lewis. And whereas Fluellen is gaining weight to be more of a fullback and that special team's ace that they talk about, I think maybe uh, Fluellen would be the fourth, even though I know they love him very much. Um, I'd like to see... McNichols is that third running back. It's possible. I mean, I'm not going to rule it out completely. I think that he'd probably be inactive on game day, though. So, I don't know. He has practice squad eligibility, and I think the Titans will hope to try to sneak him onto the practice squad, and then he'd be the first guy up if any of the running backs got injured. Or if Llewellyn is placed on PUP or something to start the season because he's still not back, then I think McNichols is definitely the guy who makes it. But if Llewellyn's healthy, I just don't know. Anyway, do you want to talk about the final award? The Zeus Award. Who fucked it up? Crookshank had him man to man. He fell down again, Mike. You can't do that. You've got to stay up. You've got to stay up. That was play action pass. Play action pass. You've got to, he's got to stay up. I mean, he just fell down. That's twice in this drive. This man's been wide open. He's fallen down. Gain of 28 on the play. I see Crookshank got some Kendall Wright cleats after the game. <laughs> so Crookshank, great special teams player, didn't have a great drive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, it's not like he fucked up everything, but, so it's a little harsh to call him the Zeus Award winner. And uh, But yeah, I mean, he fell down twice in four plays, I think. So that's not going to cut it. I mean... Um, he plays great on special teams. He's a great gunner. He's one of the first guys down there every time. But he's going to have to play better if he wants to play on defense. <laughs> I mean, he's fallen down this roster the more mistakes he makes. Yep. 
<laughs> he is a great special teamer, though, and the Titans don't have a lot of great special teamers anymore. They they had a few, but they've kind of moved on from most of those guys. So, well, we got Darren Bates, we got Flew uh, Ellen, Crookshank. Who else would you Kirk call? A, who else would you say a special team aces? I think DeAndre Walker was uh, on tape from college. Excellent on special teams and very unfortunate that he's placed on IR because I honestly think that he, that they had plans for him to play on special teams. And the midday when 80 was talking about this a little bit with Blake Bettingfield about how they don't have a fourth outside linebacker really that can play special teams unless that person becomes Kamala Correa. So that special teams role is going to probably define the back end of the roster. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So should we get into the film study? We should, right after this break. To sit there and recap the second half is not going to do me any good. So if you want to ask me another question, I'd be more than happy to answer it. But I, I didn't spend much time on that second half. Ooh, spicy. Look, if Mike Vrabel is not going to spend time on the second half, neither are we. So <laughs> That's fair. Let's dig into it, though. Right. There's a lot to learn from a meaningless Week 2 preseason game, and it may all prove to be completely pointless. But if nothing else, this data we're about to talk about will give us a good baseline to compare to once the regular season does start. So, so I mean, this game was counted as a loss. Do you want to focus on the offense or the defense first? Let's talk about the offense. Okay. So, obviously, we're going to start with Mariota. Um, that's what everybody's talking about. And because of that goddamn QB controversy, my quarterback is doing front flips into the goddamn end zone on a two-point conversion just to show that he wants to win. Yeah, and uh, something interesting about this game is the pass-to-run split. We talked about this last week, how they were at 24 passes to 12 runs with the first and second team. This week, Marcus Mariota threw 12 passes, or sorry, he threw nine passes. They called 12 pass plays, um, and they only called six run plays. That includes the two-point conversion, and it includes the Roger Saffold sack, and it also includes the A.J. Brown pass interference. So 12 pass calls to six run calls. Art Smith, thus far, has almost doubled the number of pass plays when he's had the first team offense. And actually, if you add up the totals from the last two games, he's at 20 pass calls and eight run calls with the first team offense on the field. Whoa. (laughs) Do you think that's because we're missing Derrick Henry? It is impossible to say. I think it could be, but I think that, honestly, I don't think it is. I don't think it's because we're missing Derrick Henry. Right, That doesn't mean this is the offense that Art Smith is going to run. For example, it could be last week he wanted to give Mariota and Humphreys a lot of reps together, knowing that the first-team offense was only going to play one series. So it's really hard to read into that. That's why I've been grouping it with Ryan Tannehill and 
again, all but two of these plays have occurred before the two-minute warning in the first half. So they're not like necessarily passing the ball a lot, you know, because of the two-minute drill or anything like that. So if we add up their total snaps um, between Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill, 51 pass plays to 26 run plays. That's a 66% pass rate and almost two to one pass to run ratio. He's called play action on 11 of those plays, which is like about 20%. So something I wonder is, one, we have the absence of Henry. um, And two, I don't know if Art Smith wants to put a lot of his uh, blocking schemes with running plays on tape, even if it is the preseason. And maybe he's just trying to air it out more, one, two, kind of get the quarterbacks and the receivers more comfortable but to maybe to limit the amount of tape that teams get as far as uh, what he's going to be doing with this run game. I hesitate to think that that is it because the run game is on tape from last season. Uh, I think the run game is the main base of this offense that will remain largely unchanged from Matt LaFleur because based on what they're doing in the preseason, it seems to still be very zone heavy. It's why they signed Roger Saffold because he's so athletic in space. And if you check out again, musiccitymiracles.com, Mike Herndon has a great breakdown of Roger Saffold's game. After he gave up that sack, he actually turned out to have a pretty great series of plays. So check out Mike's breakdown on that. And one of the things Mike points out is Saffold's ability to reach the linebacker, the Mike linebacker from the backside, which is something that takes extreme athleticism from the guard position, especially at Saffold's size. So you're going to take advantage of that and run the same running scheme that you ran last season, the zone-based, get your guys moving laterally. The Titans were blocking it really well in this game. Ben Jones made a couple of really nice reach blocks from the center position. Jack Conklin on McNichols touchdown run that got called back made a perfectly executed reach block on the, uh, on the end man on the line of scrimmage out there. So I think the Titans running game is going to be pretty good. Uh, but I don't think it's they're necessarily trying to hide it with the with the preseason passing action that we're that we're seeing. Okay. I cannot wait until week five when we have Lawan and Saffold on that left side. It's going to be a brutal four weeks. It really is, but hopefully Dennis Kelly can come in and fill the role. Um, I just think back to that Green Bay game where. Lawan got thrown out for a ticky-tack call against the ref. Granted, he did touch the ref, um, but Kelly came in. He filled in rather well, So, and that was when Conklin was probably at his best. So hopefully we're getting a strong Conklin coming back who's lost 8 to 10 pounds. Um, per Vrabel, I think you had told me, what, he has a little more body control. Mm-hmm. So yeah. hopefully it's not as bad as we think. And I think that the play of the tackles, which has been pretty good in the preseason, sorry, let me clarify, the play of the starting tackles, Jack Conklin, Dennis Kelly's been pretty good. He's been beaten a few, a handful of times, but he's been okay. And Taylor Lewan, who's also been beaten a couple times. But those three guys have been pretty great. The backups have been absolute garbage. They're probably all going to get cut. Um, but anyway, I think that having great tackles allows you to pass the ball a little bit more. If... We use this very small sample size uh, pass percentage that Art Smith has so far shown, 66.2%. That would have placed 
third in the NFL last year behind only Green Bay and Pittsburgh for percentage of plays that are passes, called passes. So, I mean, we're a really small sample size. We can't read too much into this, and we have no idea how much game planning will be done and how much Derrick Henry affects it, how much Adam Humphreys, Mariota connection, new receivers. You know, there's so many factors at play, so it's hard to read into it. But again, it gives us a good baseline, and it's encouraging, if nothing else, because we've been begging the Titans to pass the ball more. Passing is the most efficient thing you can do in the NFL. It even looks like the Titans have started using the pass to set up the run a little bit. I noticed a really good mix of run calls from 11 personnel and 12 personnel, play action usage from 11 personnel and 12 personnel. So they're not being predictable in their formations, even though, again, it's just the preseason and they're obviously being vanilla. But the play calling is real. I mean, Art Smith is calling plays and trying to establish the same type of rhythm with his play calling that he would be doing in the regular season. And the fact that he is mixing it up so well while sticking to a limited formation usage and stuff and still, you know, not showing too much is just a really encouraging sign that he's that he's going to be a good play caller. And there has been a couple of other encouraging signs, and this may have been somewhat influenced by the fact that the Titans practiced all week against the Patriots. But there were a couple instances where the play call was perfect for the coverage that they saw. Uh, some zone beaters, uh, the touchdown pass to Delaney against man coverage allowed everyone to take advantage of one-on-one matchups downfield. So those types of things are are just good signs. Uh, his instincts as a play caller seem to be pretty good. So we can't really make any kind of verdict yet, but we can feel encouraged. I am pretty excited the way this is going because I feel like what Art Smith has been bringing us this preseason, I expected from LaFleur and we got the complete opposite. Right. Yeah, I feel like this is what we expected or we hoped for, I guess, cross our fingers for. And again, it's just preseason, but... right. Um, Another interesting note about the offense in this game is Corey Davis's usage. He had a lot of targets on the first few plays. He caught one of those targets. I think he had the uh, he had the third down, the first third down that was the challenge pass interference, and then he had the play that Joan Williams ripped out of his hands, and then the third down he caught over the middle. But my point about Corey Davis wasn't the targets. It was where he was lining up. I noticed that he lined up, by my determination, at the Z receiver position, 12 snaps, and at the X position, 4 snaps. And what's interesting to me about that is that Corey Davis would, I would expect, to be our X receiver. The difference between the X and the Z is the X is usually the receiver that lines up on the line of scrimmage. They're usually the furthest from the ball, the widest split. Meanwhile, the Z receiver is usually the one who's off the line of scrimmage by a couple, a yard or two. He's the receiver that usually goes in motion pre-snap. So we saw Corey Davis do one motion pre-snap. And that was interesting to me. Tajay Sharp was the one playing the X most of the time. AJ Brown lined up at the X a couple times where I would have thought AJ would have been the Z. So there were some interesting things going on with the receivers. I don't know if those are... Mike Vrabel talked a lot about guys getting work at quote-unquote secondary positions in his press conference. 
And he was specifically talking about tight ends who are going to be more H-back, line up in the backfield tight ends, playing on the line and vice versa. But it could also apply here, getting the receivers, mainly Corey Davis, who hasn't seen any preseason action yet, snaps at not his main position just to practice with live reps at a position he hasn't had as much practice at. Could be interesting. It also helps them hide things in their offense. Or maybe they're planning to play Corey Davis at Z more. Who knows? But I just think it's an interesting note either way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I kind of like Corey at the Z. Um, I'm hoping we see a lot of A.J. Brown at the X. Um, I really like um, Corey Davis working the other, underneath with Adam Humphreys. And uh, maybe seeing more of those go plays for A.J. Brown so we can get more of those pass interference calls. That's fair. That's fair. I do think that A.J. Brown, who since he played in the slot so much in college, I just envisioned that if he were to play on the outside in the NFL, he would start off at the Z so he wouldn't have to deal with press coverage as much. So it's usually harder to press a guy when he's off the line like that. So, I mean, he's working on his releases. His releases look good on film so far. In fact, on the Jeremy McNichols touchdown pass or touchdown catch, a lot of people noted this on Twitter, and you can see it. I have a very brief breakdown of it on Twitter where he, where A.J. Brown gets a great release, and uh, the Patriots brought a blitz and got to Ryan Tannehill really fast, so he had to dump it off to his hot read, which was Jeremy McNichols. But if he'd had more time, A.J. Brown would have been wide open in the corner of the end zone, and so that would have been a cool thing for the rookie to get a touchdown in that. Oh, for right sure. There. I think we're going to get at least two AJ Brown touchdowns this preseason. I mean, I mean, they're probably both going to have to come in the third game. Cause I don't expect AJ to play in the fourth game because based on what we saw in this game, getting reps with the ones, I think that AJ is probably going to be treated like a starter by preseason week four and not going to play. I think we. I think AJ needs it could, because he was injured that first game. Um, so I think he needs a lot more snaps. And I think, or I don't think, I feel we should see him more in the fourth preseason game, at least the first half, so that he's ready for the Browns. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he should. Maybe it'd be. I mean, it'd definitely be cool to see him. I'd like to see him, but I don't. We'll see. I think he's going to be treated like a starter at that point. So, which is cool because I didn't think based on having the injury that he'd be worked in with the ones so quickly, you know, usually working back from injury as a rookie, you have to earn your way a little harder. I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, but it is a good thing in terms of it's a good sign for his productivity this season as a receiver in this offense that he might actually be getting snaps and, worked in well from everything we've seen with him staying being the first one there studying tape when he was injured on the drugs machine don't you think he's earned some of those reps sure good point yeah he's been a hard worker even despite the injury so yep and he's doing something with the reps too you know exactly trying 30 yard pass interference is a huge play yep show out rook all right we'll take a quick break and then we'll talk about the defense Okay, we are back in on the film review podcast for Titans Film Room. And what we're going to do now is talk about the defense. Yay! Not really. Defense. 
the first team defense continues to play well, so Logan Ryan really got a pick. Great pick. I mean, we talked about this on our last show, but it wasn't necessarily a difficult pick, but that doesn't mean it wasn't a good one. So he talked about it after the game that it was something he uh, had seen in practice and wasn't able to pull off, and so he was glad to, to make it happen in the game, which is really cool. I don't want to take away from it, but I mean, it wasn't Brady throwing that pass, so. True. Anyways, uh, what did you see on the defense that you liked? Um, you know, one thing that stands out, continues to stand out, is the D-line depth. And we talked about this also on our last show, but it really pops on film. The uh, the first half, especially, you know, the guys that you're not necessarily expecting to be the penetrators, like Matt Dickerson and um, Isaiah Mack, are playing really well. And that's great. That's great for the team. They're going to need guys that they can rotate in there because the best D-lines in the league, like Philadelphia Eagles, they have so many guys that are constantly rotating, constantly keeping guys fresh against offensive lines that are not subbing at all. So that's a really important thing that these guys are starting to to show up. And it's not that much of a surprise. It's nice. But, you know, this is kind of what Mike Vrabel did in Houston. He is credited with being the guy who developed Clowney and merciless and he brought his uh, linebackers coach Shane Bowen from Houston so it's not that much of a surprise that that the D-line is starting to develop and the linebackers are obviously developing well speaking of the linebackers David Long Jr. we talked about him also but he played more snaps than anyone on defense in this game he played 88% of the defensive snaps he had eight total tackles he plays really aggressive and he misses some plays, but he just stands out on defense as a guy that is going to force his way onto the field sooner than maybe we expected. Do you think he's going to fill that? Well, he's more of an inside linebacker than an outside linebacker, right? Yeah, but he can line up kind of like Rashawn Evans lines up. David Long Jr. can line up on the line, and he's a great blitzer, at least in college. He was a great blitzer. And I've seen the Titans using him a little bit that way, lining him up on the line of scrimmage, sort of as a as a linebacker three tech, the way that Rashawn Evans has been doing it, and rushing on on third downs and obvious passing situations. And about that note, Rashawn Evans was again on the first third down of this game, lined up as a three tech, and it was real. It's really interesting. It seems like every time the uh, maybe this is just a preseason thing um, that they're doing to put it on tape so that they can have a tendency to break when the season starts. I know Dean Pease has talked about using preseason tape as a tool before in past precedent of conferences or interviews and stuff. But um, it's interesting that it seems like every third down obvious passing situation for the first team defense, Evans moves down onto the line and Hooker comes in, the rookie, and plays in the deep safety. So I don't know what the Titans are planning to do with this, but it's really interesting to see the way the the versatility and how that's going to be able to disguise what the defense is planning on any given snap. I want Rashawn Evans to hit the shit out of Baker Mayfield. That's just one thing I want to see at least three times. <laughs> what do you think of these Mayfield comments about uh, Daniel Jones? I mean, he's, I mean, douche canoes are going to douche canoe. So, I mean, in his defense, I feel like part of it was taken out of context and he didn't really mean any disrespect. Right. But 
it's funny to see him in the media again. You know, lots of drama up there in Cleveland. It is what it is. Something about Rashawn Evans and the coaching staff I want to note, and this is actually something that Blake Bettingfield said on the Midday 180 last week, is that this is a really cool thing the coaching staff did. Rashawn Evans wasn't doing great as a third down drop into space type of coverage linebacker. So they're letting him do something he is good at on third downs, which is rush the passer. Put your players in a position to make plays. Great example of that by this coaching staff. There were a few plays last season, and I don't know if you have those saved, but where he was kind of running downhill to blitz and running into those linemen. I think there was one the last preseason game too in week one where he just knocks these 300-pound men around and it's just thunderous hits. So really seeing him used as that three technique, I'm I'm pretty excited, but um, I want to see more downhill running from him. What do you mean, like blitzing? Yeah, he can he can really move some linemen when he's actually kind of gets a little bit of a running start. He'll he really hits the shit out of people. Oh yeah, I'm sure he'll be used in that way too. But they haven't shown any of that this preseason. They did have a blitz the first third down of that last game. Jayon Brown and Kenny Vaccaro blitzed, and Vaccaro got home and got a sack. It's a really good play, and he was really fired up. And unfortunately, Malcolm Butler was called for a penalty downfield, so it didn't count. But Hey, that is a good play. Dean P is out here scheming up blitzes in the preseason still. <laughs> you gotta love it. Yeah, those refs really headed up for us this game. <laughs> All right. So anything else you want to talk about from this game? No, that pretty much covers it. Um we didn't really get into it, but there was one dime from and I don't like giving Ryan Tannehill credit only, only because I don't want to stir the controversy. But he had that absolute dime to Anthony Ferkser, and it was a really good pass. So I just wanted to give him credit with that pass. He had a few nice passes too. Yeah, and he read the read the blitz as well, and he played. I mean, he played well. Stood tall. It's great to have. Yeah, yeah it's a great to have a backup quarterback. That's good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but other than that, nothing really. We're gonna have a special guest. I'm not gonna say who, just in case it doesn't work out. But we're gonna have a special guest on on Friday. So come back for that. And in the meantime, check out musiccitymiracles.com. Be sure to follow James on Twitter at South Texas Titan. You can find me at Titans Film Room. And subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe, please. We need our subscribers. And also, follow James on Twitter. I just said that, but, like, you guys aren't doing it. So (laughs) follow James on Twitter at South Texas Titan. And let's do it. Let's get the boys some followers. I would appreciate it. I love you all. We'll be back another day, another time. Goodbye. Love you.